Hey guys, Jeremy National Fire Radio in the studio tonight, home studio, I should say, with COVID restrictions starting to lighten up. We are still working from home. And so here I am in the home office. Rob's in his home office, putting back a cold one as I'm doing the intro. Somebody's got to work here while Rob sits back and enjoys. Yeah. Uh, but he got. <laughs> Rob is coming off of a four day stint at the uh, state fire Academy. And uh, there's plenty of stories to tell there, but we're not going to get into those tonight for sure. But Rob say hello to everybody, please. What's going on everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, we've been working back and forth between the home studio and it's uh, it's getting old, Rob, we need to start getting back together. Uh, we got to get back into a studio uh, and doing these uh, live. But, you know, one thing we keep hitting on though, because we have the ability to do this remotely, like we've been, we're getting guests on from different parts of the country that, you know, when we were doing our home base studio, uh, you know, recordings and episodes, uh, we kind of had guys from the, the local uh, coming in. But uh, this has been a great opportunity. And so tonight is no exception to that. Um, Battalion Chief Frank Malta out of uh, Frederick County, Maryland. Chief, thank you for joining us tonight. Say hello, please. Hello, fellas. Thanks for having me. Of course, I will say, um, you know, Frank and I have uh, we've spoken on a few occasions now, and this is partly due or entirely due to social media and Instagram for particular uh, sake here, um, because Frank does have a page that he was running with his uh, engine company down in Frederick County. And then as he got promoted, he uh, started his own page and he's putting out some incredible nuggets. And we're going to talk about all that tonight, as well as your career and uh, your bio and, uh, and some influences and uh, your love for training and everything else. But Chief, thanks for joining us tonight. I do want to start off by saying, um, you know, we appreciate you taking time out of your valuable schedule to be here. And so I think that you have a fantastic story to tell tonight and we're looking forward to sharing that. So why don't we just hop right into it um, and get going. And what I like to do is to talk about chapter one. To know where you are today, we need to know where you came from. And uh, maybe you can give us a little background as to uh, where you started and, and your upbringing into, uh, into uh, this career. All right. Yeah. Um, so born and raised in Frederick, Maryland. Um, and uh, it's, I guess it's one of those things that I think at, at some point in every uh, young boy's life, they wanted to be a firefighter. And I never really lost that. Uh, so at the age of 16, I uh, became a volunteer at the, uh, the neighborhood firehouse in downtown Frederick, and uh, which is station three, which is that right down the street from station two, kind of like a, a rivalry thing. And uh, yeah, I went there, started hanging around people that were into the job and uh, the rest is history, man. Did I, you have uh, a family influence? No, sir, no, sir. I'm a uh, first generation in the fire department. My dad was actually a police officer. Okay. And, uh, so yeah, for a while there was kind of you know, neck and neck, like, hey, what do you want to do? And he's like, look, look, man, you don't want to do this job. And uh, you know, now I'm 20, 21. Like, he, that was wise advice. Wise advice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very wise of course. Advice. That's cool. So I mean, so volunteering in the local firehouse, I mean, that kind of probably got you your hooks then, because I have to think, you know, one of the things that you did share with us is the fact that you were uh, the youngest hire, I believe, for at, at the time. At the time, yeah. Yeah, for a long time, uh, Frederick County didn't hire anyone under the age of 21. I think it had something to do with the insurance. <clears throat> so in 2004, it might have been toward the end of 2003, they put out the hiring announcement, um, you know, for uh, that they were going to hire an academy class. And uh, for the first time in their history, they were hiring 18 year olds. And uh, so I, I put in and uh, there was a select few of us that got picked up that were under the age of 21. 
And um, yeah, so I mean, right out of high school, man, I fell into my dream gig. Not too many people that can say that. So absolutely very, very fortunate to get picked up so early. That is awesome. I know how many guys work so hard and put in so many years of trying yeah. to get hired, especially in the Northeast where we are, you know, trying to get a job is almost like winning a lotto these days. Um, it's a full-time job just to get the job. And so to be able to do that right out of high school, man, that's a win. That is an absolute yeah. win. That's cool. So the influence from 16 to 19, getting hired at 19, I mean, the influence was there and you got hired within the department that you volunteered for, correct? I mean, uh, Frederick County is uh, a combination department, I'm assuming then still? Correct. Correct. Yes, sir. So give us a little rundown then on the department, because I mean, you have now prom recently promoted to uh, battalion chief, correct? Yeah. Yeah. May of uh, 2020. Nice. Congratulations. And uh, so give me a little background on that. I mean, you know, you got you got a bunch of years in the business and you volunteered in the department that you got hired in. Um, you were in a few different companies, but maybe you can give us a little rundown on uh, on Frederick County, how that works, how the system works. And then uh, and then we can get into some of the bio of uh, the houses you're in. Sure. Um, so uh, Frederick County is uh, Maryland's largest land county, uh, 649 square miles. Uh Within Frederick County is Frederick City, which is Maryland's second largest city. Um, <clears throat> when you uh, you get hired, uh, the over the years the academy, the duration of the academy has um, has extended. When I got hired, it was only an eighteen week fire academy. Uh, it's now a twenty eight week fire academy. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so it, uh, tremendous advancements um, in the academy itself uh, among many within this fire department. But uh, yeah, you go through the academy, uh, you graduate, you get assigned to a station for your probationary period. Someone from within that station is assigned as your mentor. Um, and they just kind of make sure that, you know, you're getting, you're learning that apparatus, that first new area, um, you know, the tools, you know, everything that you would need to know as a rookie to, to, to you know, make you um, just have like a basic knowledge of, of what's going on. And, you know, they're also reaffirming that your book's done if you're meeting your deadlines because it's broken down into sessions and that you're, you know, meeting the, meeting the deadlines of the sessions and the, the work is thorough and getting submitted on time. And then uh, at the end of that probationary year, you come back to uh, the training academy and you get your final probationary test, which is, you know, like a fire skill, a rescue skill, an EMS skill, um, you know, EMS protocol test. And, um, if you satisfactorily pass that, then you're off probation. And, and then from there, as, as we're growing in size, there's a little bit more stability um, at that, that lower level. <clears throat> when I first got hired, um, you would, once you got off probation, you kind of, you know, you went on to a detail spot where you were the guy that just went and filled vacancies in, in different houses, wherever they, they may be. Um, and, uh, you know, then as time goes, and if you make yourself a little bit more marketable, you know, become a, a engine driver, you know, stations, you know, that can, that can kind of help promote some of that stability and keep you in one spot for a little bit longer. So that mentor is, is that mentorship program then built into the system so that when you come out of the Academy, they put you into the company and then you have a mentor. Is that always a senior man or is that somebody that is, how does that, how does that work? So um, it, it varies. Um, <clears throat> It can be the senior man. In a lot of instances, it is the senior man. But as we're starting to grow, we're getting that that like middle middle level person where it's not the senior man, it's not the most recent rookie, but that intermediary where they want to give them the opportunity to start, you know, learning that role. So when they transition to senior man, you know, they're they have it. So it's appointed by the station officer, um, okay. you know, whoever whoever they deem fit or want to give the opportunity to 
How big of a department? How big of a department? Um, currently, we're we're approaching 500 career members, and um, roughly a thousand volunteers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Quite a machine. And can you kind of touch on the like you you all have a rookie book, right? That, that the yeah. uh, rookie will be assigned because I think this is uh, that, well, I've not seen it up in the northeast as much. Um, but I, I think it, the, the concept behind the rookie book for those who don't know it, could you just kind of explain that a little bit and just expand on it? Cause I think it's a awesome tool for departments to use. I, I want to, you know, I've, I've seen it in PG a couple times, but, um, it's been cool to see people, uh, you know, kind of complete it in steps. So let's kind of touch on that if you don't mind. Sure. <clears throat> so yeah, the poly policy procedure manual, our, our, uh, I'm sorry, not our policy procedure manual, our, um, our probationary manual is broken down into six sessions <clears throat> with like the first, um, the first two to three sessions uh, are, are kind of revolve around EMS, like making sure that the, the first session is making sure that that person is uh, comfortable and competent to function as an aid provider by themselves. Um, and as well as learning some, you know, further policy and procedures, uh, introduction to the station, uh, starting to learn like the first 25 primary streets within their first due area. And then you go into session two where we start like non-emergency driving on the ambulance just to get them uh, comfortable with that as more policy and procedures. Um, session three, then we get into like where they start driving emergency and you, you know, you have to get so many calls, um, you know, uh, per apparatus to, to get cleared to do that. And then after session three, uh, if you're cleared to drive emergency, uh, then they also become eligible to work overtime. So it's a, it's a pretty big incentive to get the you know, session three done. Um, and then as we move into session four, that's like your engine company operations, session five, your truck company operations, and session six is your rescue company operations. And like, this is just kind of the baseline, you know, every day in the stations, guys are doing drills on this and that. So this is like what they have to get done, but they're also reaping the benefit of whatever else is going on in the firehouse. So the way it's laid out, if you were just to look and see like, oh, the engine company operations are in session four, you know, you have to wait, you know, six months before you do anything with the engine. And that's not necessarily the case. They're, they're out there pulling right. lines and stuff. Some of them on their very first day on the job. I, I, I think that it's uh, like one of the nice things I like about it is it, it breaks it up for the, for the recruit or the, or the rookie firefighter that like this, all this information you have to absorb in, on top of the academy now you're out of the academy now you're you're, you're trying to learn the job and it, it's it's a good way to divide it up and make it manageable so that you're yeah, actually yeah. getting a good uh, result at the end of it yeah and then to get out of each session uh once you know the, the, each session has a deadline that is predetermined before they even leave the academy the, the the dates are already outlined for their probationary period when each item is due and um so when you're say done session one the station officer contacts the battalion chief and then the battalion chief comes to the firehouse and issues that test. So they got to test out of each session. That's pretty cool. That's pretty wild. I, I dig it. And I, I think this leads to the next logical conversation that is very much about the training culture and tradition of the fire department, right? Because it 500, uh, 500 strong on a career side and a thousand volunteer it's a sizable department. I do know that you guys run one of the most aggressive academies, I believe, probably in the country. Um, <laughs> you guys, uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Chief. I mean, you guys, you guys run a hell of an academy. And it seems that, you know, with the uh, probation book, uh, right? It was the probation book. Is mm -hmm. that what it's called? You Person know, man. that 
that right there to me tells me that there's a culture in place that puts an emphasis on training and efficiency uh, and knowing your job, right? And so um, maybe we could talk about that a little bit because I think it's so important. So many, you know, how many guys get out of the academy and get dumped in a house? And if it's a A house, great. If it's a C house, you know, good luck with your career type thing. And, um, and it doesn't seem that that's the case. So, you know, uh, Frederick County, um, you know, if I get, if I get put in a house, whether it's a slow house or busy house, I got work to do. And the only way I'm going to succeed at doing that is with the, uh, with my mentor and the company, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, some of the stuff, uh, they even go outside the company level. Some of the stuff that they have, they'll incorporate it with other stations within the battalion. And, and, and do the drills that way where you get several rookies from several stations and you're kind of all working toward it together. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's cool in the aspect of, yeah, the, the, the rookies doing what they have to do, but by default, other people on the shift are helping to, to foster that environment. Yeah. You know, so you may you say one of the, one of the items may be very mundane, you know, stretch a cross leg, which is an art in itself. I don't want to downplay that, but, uh, you know, you get out there, you stretch a cross leg, and then the guy, well, hey, well, let's try to 300, or, or what if we have to build this out, you know, and it kind of, if you start off with something small, more times than not, once you get, once you get the ball rolling, it's tough to get it stopped, and these guys want to keep going all day. How was it with you? Did you have a probationary book? I did. I did. Um, again, a different, a little bit different of an era. Um, I don't, uh, I don't recall the battalion chiefs testing us. It was kind of like, a, at that time, the station officer. Uh, is the one that tested you, um, but we did still have to come back to the fire academy at the end of that uh, probationary period and test out. And you went from what you said, eighteen weeks when you got on, correct? And you got on back in two thousand four, yeah. To now, fast forward uh, sixteen, seventeen years later, and you're at twenty eight weeks in the academy now. Yeah. So how different was your experience? I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about this in the fire service about how things are changing and, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. But at the end of the day, they truly are. And, and sometimes, you know, you find a lot of time is added onto the Academy just because you have to run through the monotonous BS of, of all the cover your ass stuff and uh, mandatory trainings and things like that. But, you know, you did 18 weeks in the Academy, you come out, you go to your house, and, uh, and you have your probationary book and you walk in the door. How did that go? <laughs> so, uh, I remember my first day on the job, I come in uniform, press sharp, looking good, super <laughs> early book under book under my arm, <laughs> ready to go. And, uh, and my Sergeant, that was when we still had the, the Sergeant rank, my Sergeant said, let, let me see this book. And he takes, he sets it on the table. He said, we'll get to that in a little bit, <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you want to talk about it, an absolute fireman for sure, but yeah, he was, he was a very, very senior. You've been on the job 20 plus years at that point. Extremely super good guy. Taught me a lot. Um, but yeah, just a little bit more laid back than, than some of the, the companies. Yeah. And, and even now, so I'm sure it's, uh, you know, it's even more so the, the, uh, the culture and the, you know, I, there's just so much to this because, you know, I look at like the type of chief that I believe you to be, and I look at your influence and I know just uh, how involved in training that we're going to get to in a little bit and the Academy and all that. But I think it's important to, to really learn and dive into your beginnings there in your first house, in your second house, because, you know, that senior guy put your book down and said, listen, come over here. We're going to talk and be part of the group and we'll get to that. You know, and I, I wonder if some of that stuff's starting to get lost. 
you know, where we start looking at, you know, okay, we got to do this, this has to be done type thing and, and so on versus the informal way of getting to filling out the book, you know, thoughts on that? I mean, I, I just, yeah. go ahead. No, I would agree. I would agree. And uh, so like at the time, like I, th- I guess it was just different than what I had expected, but you know, fast forward to when I became a company officer, uh, I, I think I took kind of a similar approach the first day, you know, these guys get here. I like, I used to get to the firehouse at four o'clock in the morning for a shift that started at six. And, uh, I, you know, get the logbook made up, check my riding position, make sure everything's good. And then these guys nowadays, you know, they're getting there early too, just like that. They kind of ingrain that into them. They, if you're, if you're on time, uh, if you're on time, you're late. And if you're, I'm sorry, how, what do they say? If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Yeah. So, you know, it's beat into their head to, uh, to be here early. So they get there and, you know, I, kind of tell the guy, look, this is the ambulance, just start taking a look at it. The, you know, the rest of the guys will start trickling in here in a little bit. And, you know, so they'll kind of give them the once over the ambulance. We sit down for lineup at about 6, 15-ish, and, um, you know, just kind of talk about the events of the day. But, you know, we got a new guy now, so introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, introduce each other on the shift. And then um, and then what I would like to follow that up with is, is uh, you know, go up to the office and, and sit down with them and just kind of, feel them out, see, you know, see what their goals are, see, you know, see what kind of experience they have. Uh, but probably most importantly is to make the expectation known, because w- without that, you know, Huge. You, you're blind, Huge. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. You know, we, we expect so much out of somebody, but when you don't paint the picture for them or tell them the expectations we have for them uh, and then they let us down or disappoint us, it's not fair on them because they didn't know that the expectation was there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, if you don't tell them, how are they supposed to know? Exactly. How, how were your influences? I mean, you know, you just said that when you were, when you were the, uh, the station captain, right. Uh, you know, when the new guy came in under your watch, you know, you kind of took that same, a little bit of that older school approach. How important was that to you growing up through the firehouse? Right. I mean, you came in as a kid. I mean, you, yeah. you got hired at 19. I mean, shit. I, I just, you know, I still feel like I'm a, I'm a 25-year-old kid, even though I'm not even close anymore. You know, and I, I just think about that. And and at 19, I mean, you come in, all you want to do is run through the front door with that line and go to fire. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, how, how important were the influences you had? Because you really grew up in the firehouse, no? Yeah. Yeah. Um- very the influence are very important when i worked at uh, station two when i came back to station two in 07 um i just you know as, as a firefighter and I, I was at the bottom of the stack still even with three years on the job because you know we kind of had gone back and forth with hiring for a little bit you know when the economy kind of went down we stalled out for a hot minute um but uh, so i was at the bottom of the stack and within a couple months like three of the three of the senior guys on that shift um promoted out so then me and another guy like kind of gained seniority on the shift very quickly. And, um, you know, so then, uh, the Lieutenant I had at the time went on to pursue, uh, a, a different career. And, uh, we got one of the guys that we had worked with as a fireman back as a Lieutenant. And, uh, he had a, a military background, um, especially like a leadership in a leadership role in the military. Right. He helped to bestow, uh, a lot of that knowledge, uh, managing people, um, you know, in, in a manner that uh, that makes it very clear what you're looking for, and when you don't get what you're looking for, how to get that, you know, tactfully. 
Yeah, I, and that's, I think, for a young, impressionable kid, right? All of a sudden, guys promote out, and now you get moved up the line real quick. Or three years in, you're 22 <laughs> years old, right? Yeah, driving a fire engine. <laughs> driving a fire engine, right? Mm-hmm. And and not only that, but let's talk about Engine 2 real quick, which was a huge influence in your career, and you spent a lot of time there. But it's a busy company, no? It is, and it continues to get busier. In fact, um, to the point now that uh, currently what, what – two engine runs first in um, on the northern part of their first two area we're in the we're in the process of building another firehouse so like you know station two like if you look on a map their first two area is the smallest first two area in frederick city um but they go everywhere yeah. they go everywhere and they can get everywhere fast i love that. i love that that's yeah. a good spot to be that's Back. a good spot to be for sure for sure so that's cool and that, so so I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to put this all together. Right. So, you know, 23 years old, 24 years old. I mean, you're, you're a young guy in a fire service coming up quick, right? You're finding and you're, you're surrounded by people of influence. You have good leaders, mentors, right? Good officers. Do you, do, do you have an officer or a senior man that really sticks out? That was somebody that kind of, uh, you know, just kind of put you in line or took you under their wing or, you know, was the one that you sat back and always just uh, lended an ear to because he always had, you know, something good to tell you? Yes, yeah, so I've been very fortunate. I, I, I can't really say I ever worked for a bad supervisor, uh, but awesome. if I had to pick one, uh, I would say, and he now too is he's our special operations uh, battalion chief, uh, Lenny Stolberg. That guy had catapulted my career in more ways than one, uh, specifically as, as as it pertained to leadership and personnel management. And I had the, I had the uh, honor of driving him for uh, probably about six and a half years. Cool. What was, uh, what, what was it that he was able to kind of instill when it came to like, cause like there's a point where like you always, you know, you look back at somebody like, like Lenny and then like, but there's gotta be, like moments where it starts to click for you, where he's like, you're like, okay, now I'm like, I get it. Like this puzzle is making, making sense now. Like, yeah. There- so I can't put my finger on any one instance. Um, but like looking back now, like I, I think he was, he was grooming me for, for things down the road without me even knowing it. Um, you know, just by, you know, give a little bit of responsibility. I oh, did go with that game a little bit more. And, and you know, you know, you're, you're taking, you, you're fostering a leader without them ever even knowing it, you know? So I had the, I had the, uh, the honor of mentoring several rookies that came through uh, station two, uh, station two on, uh, on my uh, shift. And then uh, like to the point where like, as time went on, became uh, that senior man. So in the absence of the Lieutenant, the rest of the guys knew my word was just as good as his, you know, and then, you know, functioning is that like that intermediary between the officer and, and, mm-hmm. and the guys below. Um, you know, the voice of reason at times, or, you know, just, you know, you kind of, they open up to you more than say they would the officers. So you hear them kind of grumbling about something, you know, kind of work to find a solution and then present it, you know, that sort of thing. I always thought the dynamic was cool and that the senior firefighters are like that, um, that cheerleader for the back room, you know, that NCO that's really getting stuff done in the military. And the officers like, we're just making decisions and like, you know, I'm not saying enforcing policy and being like very, you know, binary, but like, it really is like when I, and I always talk about my, like Craig Elderkin as my senior firefighter before he retired, I don't think I would have been as successful as a Lieutenant without him because he really did 
fit in a lot of those areas, especially when I needed stuff done or something didn't go right. Like he would just look and be like, I'm taking care of it. And it was, uh, you know, like I said, uh, hindsight's always 2020, but I'm very happy that I had somebody like that to, uh, to help me personally. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I could tell huge. you like when I, when I became a company level officer, um, a strong senior man is worth their weight in gold. You know, there's, there's no two ways about it. What did you, as a, as a company officer, Frank, what did you look at for your, like, what did you really love about your, your, like, what characteristics did you appreciate the most about your senior firefighters? So I think probably the one is, is and, you know, take, taking a similar approach where like you give them a little responsibility, you kind of see like, Hey man, you did good with that. Um, you know, it kind of takes the lead, you know, I'm a very observant individual. So, uh, you know, I'm always watching. So seeing how they interact with the younger guys and conversely seeing how the younger guys kind of act towards them. You know, if the, if the younger guys are kind of always following them around the firehouse, that's usually, it's usually not for a bad reason, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, just, uh, entrusting in, them with certain things, you know, when we have a Kelly day in, in, in my absence, you know, or if, you know, when I went off on baby leave or whatever in my absence, like I can, I, whatever I'm doing, I can pay full attention to that and take great comfort knowing that that individual's running the shift and I don't got to worry about what's going on. That's awesome. I think there's a, I think there's a, like we, we talk about it a couple of times, but like the senior man might not be the most senior person in the company. Yeah. And like one of the things that I always like these conversations is because I want to start laying groundwork for people who are motivated, but like, you know, like be like, Hey, like these are some of the things that we need you to start look, working for. Because like I said, you, you see that in the, in somebody and you want to start grooming them to be, to be the leader that they don't even realize that they're going to be at. Yeah. There's an art to it too. Right. I mean, you know, we always talk about the senior man, but shit, I mean, there is such an art to it. And I'm not even talking about, grooming somebody or mentoring somebody to come up and eventually become that I'm talking about also officers that allow for it. Right. I think too often we're finding now that guys need to be in control. And so that company officer, whether a Lieutenant or captain sometimes squashes the senior man position because they're threatened by it. Right. Like, you have to be you have to be strong and believe in your convictions of who you are as an individual to allow others to excel under you and to be a to to have a company that the senior man carries tremendous worth means that the boss in that house is confident in his skills and abilities to allow somebody to have as much power informally as he does think about that right I don't think yeah. we've ever even talked about that concept before. Well, I don't even think it's talked about in an officer class, you know, I mean, like, because right. it's, that's, and I think that's actually it just hit me as we were discussing this, because it's, it's something that's, that's missing. Like we go over all this, like you said before, this technical stuff, but we don't actually talk about that inner, like inner personality of working with somebody and, and, and developing that and, and having that skill set. hundred so. percent. Frank, you talk about, you know, you're talking about some mentors and people that, you know, you, you, uh, you had incredible experiences with who helped shape you into becoming who you are. I mean, you, you fast track through your department. You're still a young guy, right? You got a lot of years in getting hired young and you're in love with the job more now than ever. But I love this one line you dropped me. It's a serving as a mentor to many who have gone on to become leaders themselves. What does that mean to you? 
I mean, you, you at one day went from being mentored to a mentor. How does, how does that process? I mean, it's not that you flip a switch overnight, but what a cool concept, right? Like talk about that. The, the influence that you, you absorbed and then now you give, I love that. Talk about that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, like, any aspect of the fire department, whether you, whether you're the, the lieutenant that's running the recruit class or you are somebody who is a mentor to a newly assigned rookie, um, you're going to you're going to set the stage for their career. Usually in that first that first year, they're on the job. You're, oh, yeah. They're, they're, uh, their reputation is built and you know how it goes. It takes it takes a long time to build a good reputation. And just like that, it can go away. So but, you know. To me, like I always took great pride in knowing that my name was associated with people that were successful, you know, and it, I, I felt like, you know, not, not necessarily like, because it, you know, my, you know, get my name out there, but um, it, it just, it made me feel good that I was able to do things. Oh, to- I agree with you, man. You don't have to be humble here. This is, <laughs> this, I feel yeah. that I feel very much the same way. Like I am super proud to tell people, that these guys are my friends because it means you're surrounding yourself with great people. You're surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And that's not bragging. And it's not, uh, it's not, you know, trying to be humble and saying, Oh, you know, this and that, I mean, you, when you do it right, it feels so good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's why I tell these guys when they come through here as the recruit class commanders and they, you know, some of them, because it's a day work gig and some of them don't like this, the schedule change. They're like, think about it, man. You, your name is associated with 30 individuals. Like that can never be taken away from you. Your name is on their flag that will hang on the wall here forever. That that's yours. All right. And like the skills that you get in those positions, um, you know, just you're dealing with you're dealing with 30 people from different walks of life some with experience some with no experience and then uh to compound it further you have young ones like you kind of at times man you're you're the the marriage counselor you're the financial planner you're the you know you absorb all these roles because um you know they don't they don't really have anyone else to turn to at that point you know and then as they get into the firehouse you know in a perfect world every firehouse has that individual too the guy you go to for advice whether it be um, on the job advice, off the job advice, you know, combination of the 100%. two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, plumber, carpenter, divorce attorney, accountant, yeah. uh, got a guy you know, for everything. Right. We, we got them all right. I mean, there, yeah. there's no absolutely, guy. but I think that's, that's another part of the, the band of brothers, the cast of characters. Right. Um, and that's, that's all part of the experience, but, um, I love it, man, because there's, there's so much influence in the firehouse and it's not just on the fire ground. It's not just in the Academy. Um, It's also in real life. And I think part of that conversation goes lost too. And I I think with you being involved in the, in the recruit classes uh, and in the Academy and the fact you just said before that your you know, your office overlooks basically the training ground. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's times that you find yourself wandering downstairs to go see what they're doing and, and so on. I think that goes a long way. And, and I think that, in a position that you're in and understanding all of that, you know, you have the ability to bring forth a better message than, than most. I mean, you're, you're highly in tune with it. You love it. You're right there. I mean, you can get hands on, roll up your, your white shirt sleeves and, and have, and, and still enjoy working with the recruits, but so much more than just the fire ground aspect, but it's also those life experiences, which Rob alluded to before 
We don't ever talk about that. We don't ever talk about financial planning. We don't ever talk about marriage and, and the job and, you know, the ins and outs of it and so on. I mean, that's all stuff that people tend to find along the way. And, you know, maybe we're doing a disservice by not giving the people a little bit more of a background as they come in. Rob, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, we, we were having this discussion up, up in Montour before we left today. And it was, they were saying like, hey, you might have a student come into the class, you know, and uh, they just don't seem right. You know, something might be going on. And, and they, you know, they started to touch on like this whole like, hey, there's problems off the job that are going to come into the job. And it's up to us as fire service instructors that if we notice this and there's a moment for us to say something, like reach out to that individual and be like, hey, Frank, is everything going on? Is you, you okay today? You don't, you don't seem yourself. And I just want to make sure you're okay. And I said, like, be ready. It might open up something. And then you got to do what you have to do as an instructor to get that person some help if, they, if it's feasible. But like, I, I think we need to really, I don't want to say re-educate people, but that's what we're about. Like we say, this is a brotherhood, sisterhood. It's a family. Well, that's what like healthy families do is they help each other out and they listen. So, you know, yeah, there's actually it's more than more than drinking beer and playing softball. <laughs> right. It used to be that simple, I think. I don't know. Right. You know, well, but you know, it's what, one of those things I think like uh I think the way things have kind of changed, I, like I don't I don't I don't know if those things weren't there then. I just think people right. were a lot more reluctant to talk about. It. Sure. Sure. I think so. And I, I think now too, you know, um, you know, we've we've allowed, you know, societal norms to uh allow for more openness. Um, mm -hmm. and so on, which, you know, good, bad, and different. I I'm not here to say one way or the other, and it, and it certainly impacts the fire service and it certainly impacts, uh, your 30 people that you have sitting in that room. And I would think today more than ever that your recruit class is more diverse than it's ever been. And it seems like that happens everywhere. Now the diversity is, is huge where this was really, uh, not so much of a diverse job many years ago, now more than ever, it's it's quite diverse. So you're getting people from every walk of life, ethnicity, race, religion, um, beliefs, you name it, and you bring them all together. And then you try to instill the values and virtues of the fire service to people that, uh, you know, have to learn it. And, um, and it's, it's a harder, it's a harder task than it's ever been before. Um, sure. But I, Frank, I have to think for you to get to the get to the training aspect of it and how important that is for you. Um, you know, there's got to be a, an incredible sense of satisfaction for yourself, though, too. Um, you know, we talked about how you've become a mentor for others um, and laying that foundation, but also to be able to set forth, you know, 30 kids in your academy that are just starting their career. You have an incredible opportunity to really set the record for them and lead them on a path of success. So that's, that's just an incredible, incredible uh, virtue to have. And, uh, and I think that's wonderful. The other thing you talked about too, and uh, kind of lead it down a different road um, outside of the academy, but you talked about the importance of company training. Um, and I think Frederick County has a, uh, a, a very big culture in that, hearing about your probationary book. Um, and then uh, the fact that, uh, you know, they might be stretching lines the first day that kid walks in. Maybe you could talk to the culture a little bit about in, in Frederick County and where you fit in with that and your beliefs on the company level and so on. I think that's just super important to, uh, to share. Yeah. So um, company level training started for me as a senior man, there's many days where I was entrusted in, in, you know, running the drill for the day. And uh, my thing was, I, 
as much as I love going to work and being in the firehouse, um, I love to be out of the firehouse. So any opportunity we got to get on the wagon and take a ride over to an apartment complex or, um, you know, the, to the backside of a shopping center to do the, do the drill where you're actually going to execute that skill in real life, you know, not, not taking away. There's certainly a lot that can be done in the firehouse as well, but I, I always like getting out in the wild. I think the benefits of doing that, aside from it being the environment where it's really going to go down, um, you're in the public eye. Um, you wouldn't believe how many people come out. Hey, what are you guys doing? You know, and you get explained to them and you're, so you're educating the public as to what it is we're doing and kind of maybe dispel some of the myth that we're just sitting around watching TV uh, all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the social media, well, even before social media, like it's one of those, oh, those guys are training. And then you'd have like some other shifts where, you know, like, oh, yeah, these guys are out running lines all day. You're going to run lines here, run lines there. A little bit of pushback. But, yeah, as time evolves and, and, and you know, the rate we're hiring people, we're a very young fire department. And now it's to the point where um, the tables have totally turned, where now there's more people that want to go out and train all day long than there is the guys that just want to hang out. Outstanding. And, um, yeah, and the social media, I feel like, helps kind of put it out there front and center. So it's almost like, Oh man, these guys ran a 500. You see them guys run that 500. It took them a minute and 30 to get it in place. You know, <laughs> oh, we, we got to go out. We got to go do it faster. You know, it's it get competitive, which to me, like the fire department has always been a competitive sport. I know some will disagree with that, but um, you know, it, it, it's just one of the things like to me, it was always to be the most efficient version of whatever you can be at whatever. Hell yeah. Competition's good, brother. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. You- go ahead, Rob. So I like company training and I think it's awesome. Um, and this is, I, I'm asking this like a selfish uh, question for myself as a company officer. You don't have to, like company training doesn't have to be a planned out written, you know, here's my learning, uh, you know, learning objectives, my enabling, object. like you can just simply say like, Hey, we're going to go out and stretch lines yeah. and that's fine. Cause I think there's a, there's definitely a culture happening where people are talking about lesson plans and that like, there's this belief that they have to have to have to be there. And I think that I actually sometimes believe they slow things down because like, you know, you can jump on the wagon and go out to behind a shopping center and practice it in a, a connection. Sure. And that it, it's as simple as being like, Hey, let's go do this. And in five minutes, you're on the truck, you're going out and you're doing it and you're back within 30 minutes and we've accomplished something. Sure. And we can document it later. Like, can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Cause yeah. So like, I think the lesson plan has its place simply to go out and run lines in an apartment complex. I don't think that's the place for it, but if you're going to do, you know, like some higher risk stuff, you want to go over the edge on rope or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Stuff like that is a little bit higher risk. Um, I think the lesson plan isn't a bad idea. Just, you know, you get a couple sets of eyes on it, make sure nobody's overlooking anything. Cause you know, right. the room for air is minimal there. Whereas, you know, running a line, you might, might trip, you know, like that's about the extent of it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think it has to be formalized. Yeah. I think, you know, and teach their own. Some, some people just started, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go run lines today. I'd say probably the, the bulk of my drills that I held as a company level officer was either based on a deficiency that I identified somewhere on a call uh, or somebody asked a question, something as simple as a question. And yep. that got it going. Hey, hey, man, you think you think uh, if we if we go over to a uh, thousand uh, one thousand Heather Ridge, you think a three hundred will get us to the rear of this? Well, I don't know. And there's only right. one way to find out, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So yeah. and then you get out there, you do that. And the next thing you know, well, okay, what if 
what if we position here? What line would we need then? And, you know, it's just one, once you're out there, it's tough to get stopped, you know, sometimes. And I like the aspect of being out in company training like that when you said go out in the wild. Like for the company officer too, I find my best public relations stuff is there because the guys are out pulling the lines, the citizens come up and they're like, what's going on? And now you're explaining and they're getting that buy-in because like I always think of uh, ownership. Like I want to give ownership to the people that we're serving. So like now they see us and I'm like, well, you know, we're just out here doing X, Y, Z, break it down in some simple terms that they can understand. But now they're watching it as I'm explaining it, you know, it's happening in front of them. And you're educating them, you're educating them to our job. Um, a lot of times there's children present. So now like you're educated, who knows, man, 10 years from now, mm-hmm. that person, <laughs> Hey, I remember these guys did that. It looks like something I want to be a part of. Um, and, and, and ultimately you're letting them know you care. You yeah. know what I mean? You're letting them know That's you care. If you have an emergency here, these guys are prepared for it. They know what's up. They've been here. They've done it 10 times. Rob, you hit on something before, man. I, I want to circle back to it. Uh, okay. The whole lesson plan thing. And, uh, you know, chief, I, I get it, man. As a, as a chief, I get it. Right. You, you know, but man, I, I think Rob, you hit on something there a little bit and I think I know where you were going with it. And I, I just, I think that we're getting away from, or we're making excuses to get away from practicality over uh, administration, if you will. Um, you know, lesson plans are important, no doubt. And chief, you're right. If you're doing, uh, you know, tech or you're doing something of, uh, you know, critical where, you know, we're putting ourselves in, in harm's way, even on live burns, things like that, you need to have your lesson plans in place. And I get that. And that's a supporting document to the practicality and functionality on the fire ground. But man, you know, when, when we sit there and, and we start getting caught up in the processes of administration to allow for practical experience on the fire ground, that shit bogs everything down. And it's so non-appealing that that's why nobody wants to go out and train. You know how many, you know how many guys don't guys don't go out. I love the fact chief that you said that, you know, competition. I love competition. I love, I love being the best. I love kicking somebody's ass. It's the best, it's the best thing in the world because Mm -hmm. not only do you feel satisfied, but you also get that company pride. You know, your engine, engine two downtown, these guys, they can run that line. They know what they're doing, you know, and so on. And I think some of that gets lost when we start to muddy it with, uh, I don't know, administration and, and, you know, the, the conversation that they weren't having chief back in 2004, when you got hired, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kid, put your book over here. We're going to go, we're going to go do this for a bit. And I just, I throw that out there. I mean, Rob, we talk about this a lot on the platform about, you know, um, today versus yesterday and this and that, and not saying one way is better than the other, but I want people to realize, you know, when they sit here and listen to this podcast, I want them to understand though, that there are ways of doing it and doing it correctly, even in 2021, doing it the 2021 way, but still instill or be able to instill the old school values into it. Right. Um, and I, I just think that that's getting lost. Um, Frank, with you in your teaching, and now you've gone from a company level where you kind of were that mentor and uh, guy that was mentored uh, really well by some older school guys. And, uh, you know, you, you said you're kind of an old school guy who was brought up through the old school ways. And, and so for you now to be in a battalion chief position where I'm sure you're inundated with more and more, you know, blue card and, and uh, lesson plan, all that stuff, that's got to be a struggle for you now. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, so like I always tell people, like this this role is the the battalion chief of training. It's certainly not my first pick. Uh, I would love to be out there running the calls, but I'd be also be lying if I said I wasn't having a phenomenal time here. Sure. Like any job, there's there's going to be aspects of it that are less desirable than others, but the the latitude I have in this position is is incredible. So yeah, like there's some of the admin stuff where you know I'm, I'm checking checking things, make sure everything is. Um, you know, the, what they say, uh, dying your eyes and crossing your T's. Oh yeah. You know, making sure, making sure we're following certain rules, especially in a, in a training environment like this, you know, you're, you're kind of under the microscope on some things. Um, but as far as training, man, whatever we want to do, like we do. So that's kind of where the whole Instagram thing started out. Um, you know, the, the firefighting chief, um, it, it was more for internal use. You know, I put it out there. So you, know, you have, you have a younger fire department, you have a younger audience and the younger audience is on the phone. So, you know, uh, put it on a platform where they're going to find it. And um, you wouldn't believe the questions that come of it or that, Hey, yeah, we saw this here. So we went out and tried that. Or, you know, you get phone calls and texts all day. Like that's something I kind of pride myself on as well. Like very approachable. I'll talk to anybody about the fire department. Well, so expand on that because, man, you just opened up a whole lot of conversation there. <laughs> but, you know, for you, I mean, to start an Instagram. So you did you you maintained the Instagram for your engine company, right? When you were I there. did. I did. And that was kind of like a social experiment when I first got there. Um, so <clears throat> I go in there as an acting captain because the, the current captain was, was off for an extended period of time. And then uh, when they came back, um, I left. And I came back and, and I realized it's kind of like it was tough to get started back up. Like I thought maybe we'd just pick up right where, where I'd left off and it wasn't quite the case. Um, and it wasn't any, any one person or any one shift. It was just, yeah, I, I don't know. It was just, uh, it just didn't seem the same. So yeah, I started that Instagram and kind of, you know, Hey, look at this or, you know, look at what this guy's doing. The wagon's clean. These guys are going out and doing that. And man, you, you want to talk about contagious. Oh my. I love it. Yeah. So talk about it. Yeah, yeah, in-house, in-house, like the, the guy next thing you know, people are sending me, hey, 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 Captain, check out, look what we did today, you know, or, hey, this is broken, but we did this to fix it, you know, and just like the the motivation that a simple, a free social media platform um, created was incredible. And then next thing you know, like other stations, like, hey, man, you see, he's got a, these guys got an Instagram. Hell we yeah. You know, so they make an Instagram, this guy makes it, and now next thing you know, like uh, Frederick County, I don't, there's not too many stations that don't have them. And, you know, it's constantly, like I said, that competition, like, Hey, you see what, you see what 14 engine did today? We got to go out and try that, but let's, let's do it this way. You know, it's just a constant back and forth. And that's, it's, uh, that's cool because I don't really care how you get the motivation. You got the motivation. And that seems to be the, the trick in this instance. I think that's an amazing part. Like this is, this is fantastic. I'm so enthralled to hear this because like, this is, there are still people who are like, Hey, social media, I don't want to see it. I don't want anybody posting pictures, uh, you know, blah, 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 you know, this and that. And they're, they're casting it like it's the devil, you know, like the wicked witch of the West is coming in and, you know, it's just where you guys have completely embraced it and you've, you've hacked where the attention is. And now mm -hmm. it's created an environment of success. Yeah. And <laughs> And that being said, like you do got to use good judgment. Yes, yeah, of course. 100%. You know, and uh, especially now, like with the whole COVID thing, when you're out and about, you make sure you got a mask on, you know, perceptions, everything, mm -hmm. um, you know, so you do have to use good judgment, but 
you know, most of these guys, they're, they're adults about it. And, um, yeah, it's just it's spread like wildfire, man. I couldn't believe it. And, and the whole irony of the whole thing, anybody that knows me, like, I'm like, when I say old school, it's not just the fire department. I'm, up until a couple of years ago, I still got gas at a place that you couldn't pay at the pump. You know, like very, very old fat. <laughs> uh, we had never had, uh, never had any social media. I don't have a Facebook. I didn't have, you know, any of these at MySpace when that was a thing. Instagram was the first and the only one that I ever really bought into. And like, I think kind of because like I, I was into photography, my wife does photography on the Makes side. Sense. Like, sure. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. interesting. So I started off with just a personal one and, you just, and it was private. So, you know, the family could see stuff. And then, uh, I said, you know, this, this would be kind of cool to put stuff out. I wasn't even following fire department people. And right. then once you start researching, they'll be like, oh my gosh, like there's, there's, uh, you know, millions of, of different venues. And um, so I got, I, I think it, we, we need to get in on this game. And uh, that, that's where that started. Well, that was one of the conversations you and I had a while back was, you know, you said, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I found social media because yeah. it, it, it does allow for so much good. And Rob, what you were hitting on before, I think anybody that maintains that level of, uh, I don't know, I, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but if you, if you can honestly sit here and believe that, you know, social media is the downfall of the American fire service, you are sorely misguided and, and not even in the ballpark of reality these days, because social media is doing so much more for the fire service and all it's really doing is exposing the shit that was already there. That was bad to begin with. Right. And social media only exposes reality. So we're still responsible for the reality, right? So if you're going to be a mutt or you're going to put out terrible content or not represent yourself or your company well, and it gets put out on social media, well, whether social media was there or not, you're still doing that, right? So you're still ultimately responsible for the content that's being put out. Chief, like you said, you got to conduct yourself and be smart about your posts and how you do it. And of course you do. I mean, that's just, you know, you carry yourself with respect and respect for your department and your community and everything else. But, you know, so social media just exposes us. So anybody that sits there and believes that, you know, that it's the downfall of fire service, man, they are sorely mistaken because Frank, after listening to you tonight, it sounds like Instagram has promoted your department and company pride and, and company ownership and training. Like I just, I, I, I love, this is, this is my favorite conversation tonight so far. Yeah. Was, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you finish your, finish your thought. So yeah, as far as promoting the department, you're, you're hundred percent correct. You would not believe the amount of um, prospective applicants who have reached out. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know, to, you know, I remember one day, uh, like I'm just got to work and I'm just looking at my phone real quick and I, I see a storyline from one of them. I was like, do we have anybody from Frederick County, Maryland out there? I'm like, well, that's kind of random. So I reached out. I said, yeah, I got a buddy that's in the process. And man, ever since, ever since that guy, like it's, it's happened probably a dozen times. These guys reach out and like, I appreciate them. I appreciate them reaching out because a it shows they're doing their homework and, and B, um, I'm not going to lie to you. I might not tell you what you want to hear, but I'm not going to lie to you. Um, yeah, I'm a pretty positive guy. So, I, you know, depending on who you talk to, you catch a, De a Debbie Downer and they make it sound like the worst place in the world. And, you know, that person. That's, that's, that's everywhere, though. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I, I tell them how it is. You know, like I said, not, I don't necessarily tell them what they want to hear, but I'm not going to lie to you. So my, my question, Frank, is going to be like, uh, I think I took that instructor one class back in like 2014 or 2015 um 
recruitment and retention for the department is, it seems, on an upswing. Was it ever on a downswing prior to social media or? Um, so there was a period, there was a period where there's a little bit of a retention issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they work some things and I really probably shouldn't elaborate on that, but they work. Cause I think my, my, my point here is like this, this aspect of the social media has like Jeremy said, it's, it's shined a positive light on Frederick County and the culture that has been built in the last couple of years to the point where now you have like, you don't have, maybe it's not, it's like your recruitment and retention issue is that you have people coming to apply because they're seeing exactly what you're doing. And they're like, that's the place I want to work for. And it, yeah. it, it, we're getting people from all over. Uh, my last, uh, uh, when I was the captain of two engine, my, the last three rookies I had, two of them were from New Jersey and one of them was from Minnesota. <laughs> awesome. And, yeah. and not only that, but you're, listen, if people are finding you, on social media, chances are they're already into it to the point that they know who you are. And so right. you're getting better candidates. You're getting candidates that already know the pedigree of Frederick County, Maryland, and they see the culture through the posts of the different companies and they want to be a part of that culture. So you're, you're attracting better candidates solely because you have a pride factor of your department of your company's pumping out content about how good they are and how good they want to be. It's awesome. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. That is a culture that people struggle for. And you guys seem to be doing it organically. And I just uh, kudos to you guys and, yeah. and chief. I know you have a lot to do with it. I know you're very instrumental or, and was on the engine two page. And now you have your own page. And I, I do want to uh, promote it. Of course, it's uh, firefight N chief so it's f-i-r-e-f-i-g-h-t-n-c-h-i-e-f firefight n chief um great page man you are putting up some great nuggets um i i love it i mean i love checking it out and uh there's just so much good content that is coming out on social these days um and i'll tell you chief we need more of it i think it's invaluable to educate the next generation on the channels that they're paying attention to. And, and this is certainly one of those channels for sure. So what are your thoughts going forward? I mean, what do you see? You got, you got a long career, I think ahead of you, you are probably not going anywhere. You, you seem to be a young guy in a, in a battalion chief position. So uh, you know, I I'm sure you'd like to get out from behind the desk at the training center and get back on the road. I mean, how much do you enjoy the fire ground? <laughs> what kind of question? that man <laughs> oh i know but i mean i want you to i want you to hit on that because you know yeah. you're you're a company guy so it's got to be exciting for you in a chief position to get back on the line and to be able to run that run that scene and command and control your companies and especially the companies that you you know had your hands on and grooming uh, it's just got to be such a fulfilling feeling yeah so uh the training gig, uh, I think realistically, you know, probably a two or three year thing. This isn't really a position that can be a revolving door. There's a, a lot involved in it. Sure. W way, way beyond just recruit training. Um, but uh, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, but yes, I do look forward to that day when I can get sure. back out into the wild and, um, you know, just, just reconnect. But it, truthfully, like even now with between social media and like, you know, if I go to lunch, sometimes I'll go to lunch at one of the firehouses, hang out with the guys, see what they're talking about, see what they're doing. Um, you know, like 
you know, some days, man, I just got to walk away for a minute. You know, I, I got a, I got a car, you know, I take it and we'll go out and go behind a shopping center or, you know, so-and-so will call up, Hey man, we're going to do a drill here today. Like, All right. I'm there, man. Love it. Yeah. So um, I do look forward uh, to, to eventually getting back out and uh, yeah, definitely a long career ahead. I'm, I'm eligible to retire in three years. Wow. No way. Yeah, no way. I'm no, nowhere close to being uh, done on what I came here to accomplish. So uh, that being said, I probably uh, would, would definitely have to plateau for a little bit because um, you know, the next, the next couple of steps take you further and further away to, from going to fire. So. Yeah. How do you, in, in Frederick County, do you, are the battalion chiefs a forward working position? Are you working chiefs? Meaning do you S you know, SCBA take a division go in, mm-hmm. inside and so on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I ran a blaze the other night. Um, I got my, I got a take home car. So if something's popping off in the neighborhood. I'm there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I ran one the other night and, uh, had division a real, real good fire going, uh, in the attic of a, a single family home. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, even the, the operations chiefs who are, are on the 24 hour schedule, we have three battalions in the county. And yeah, depending if uh, if, uh, you know, one chief gets there and establish the command, be a career or volunteer when that other chief gets there, you know, like, hey, do you need help in the buggy? Because sure. you know, that's kind of one of the things we're kind of gravitating towards. Um, if if they're like, now I'm good to go, go ahead and take division two for me, take division one. then yeah, absolutely. You know, gear on, pack on, get to work. Outstanding. I love that. Great. That's got that had to be a good feeling the other night for you to catch that run. Yeah, man. I've been <laughs> I've been missing them. Yeah, you know it never fails. I'm in a meeting somewhere, or or um, you know my wife's at the grocery store and I'm home with the kids. So uh, yeah, it was kind of cool that everything lined up and it, it was definitely a definitely a fire to catch. So I love it. <clears throat> so let me ask you this: outside of um, outside of the county, are you doing any training? Do you? You uh, do you do any external training or do you, uh, you know, get out there and, and teach it all? So I not on behalf of myself, uh, I do work for a company that teaches like uh, heavy vehicle uh, okay. stabilization, lifting and rigging. And then uh, even go even further into it where, you know, we're teaching essentially mathematics classes to calculate forces, you know, as it pertains to the force that's exhibited on a paratech strut or anchor angles and, and you know, the, the different physics of the you know, rope systems and stuff like that. So that's much more uh, Rob than me. I'm, you know, I can't even count my fingers. Let alone don't, don't let the glasses fool you. Matt's a far yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh but that's been a little bit slow with covid you know a lot of people are apprehensive about getting a bunch of people together i understand yeah is that something though you think down the road you'll pursue further and and uh you know i mean you have you have such a pedigree behind you in the teaching space and in, instructional value you bring to the table i mean i i think it would be um you know a great opportunity for you maybe to get out there eventually and uh you know help promote that yeah i mean I'm, I'm, nothing's out of the question sure <laughs> No, you know, that's you see, cool. see where the road goes and uh and right now things are a little hectic with two young children the loves of my life uh and my wife's worth with my uh my wife and i's work schedule is a little bit complicated so there's not a, a ton of free time to be able to to go do this or that but we'll see it. where a couple years time time will tell man i my kids are now getting older my youngest just turned 13 um so it's uh as much as i thought i'd have more free time i don't because i just keep taking on more endeavors and so on but um you know it's cool to watch your children get older um and and really develop those relationships at at different ages and uh and so on and i i want to ask you this question because you get a you get a twinkle in your eye when you're just talking about it but how important is 
your family balance versus, you know, with the firehouse. I mean, you know, I talked to a lot of guys and, and, you know, some guys, uh, you know, they could turn it off, go away for the weekend and train, or they could, you know, go to the firehouse and so on. And other guys, uh, it's super important to have that work life balance. Where do you fall in line with that? How important is, is family and, and, and what does it do for you when you're on the job? So, uh, well, to answer in short, uh, it's extremely important. Yeah. Um, you have to have that balance without the balance sooner or later, it's just not going to work. Um, and as far as, uh, you know, uh, as it pertains to the fire department, like my, my greatest support system, my wife, she's a trooper. Um, you know, I, I go here, I go there to take classes or, you know, when I'm teaching with the, with the, the outfit that I'm with, um, she very understands. She knows, she sure. knows this is, uh, this is my thing. I, I always tell people I don't really have anything else going for me. I've, I've worked manual labor my whole life. I worked around farms and landscaping. Um, so uh, this is something that has my full attention and I dedicate. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, when I'm not doing fire department stuff, I'm with them. Um, yeah. Awesome. I just, it's so important and I get it. And uh, you know, I just, you know, it's fun when we talk to different guests and, and different friends on the show and, you know, you talk, you, they start talking about uh, family and they just, you know, a lot of, so many of us are, our eyes light up, you know, and you can just see that twinkle of, of how important that is. And, you know, it makes us a better person and it makes us, you know, if we're, if we're solid and have a solid foundation at home and, and happy in that place, then obviously you bring that forward in everything you do. And the firehouse is part of that, you know, sure. for sure. So good deal, man. So, I'm just trying to think like, where else do we want to go? Because, you know, we're, we're getting into the hour time period where, you know, we, uh, we start to usually start to wrap within, you know, hour, hour 15 or so, but I want to make sure we bring tremendous value for you and, and your storytelling. And, you know, we hit on mentorship, we hit on, um, you know, some of your career. Um, I'm curious if there's any stories out there that like, you know, you chuckle about, um, experience. I mean, you know, we, we heard you talking before as a young guy on the line, you know, you got, you bounced through the house pretty quick getting hired young and so on, but there had to be some funny life experiences, stories, fires, and so on that helped shape who you were. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot at all by trying to remember them at the moment, but (laughs) you know, it's just, it's a colorful career. And I, I just think, um, you know, I, I just the the most success to you and and everything that you do, um, and so on and so. Uh, you know, I I just yeah. go ahead, Rob. Was there was there a was there a moment where you realized that you had arrived at your your career? I mean, obviously, like you start and you're just like, yes, this is what I want. But like, was it like looking back at at the last you know seventeen? You're starting. You're seventeen now, right? Mm-hmm. So, um is there a moment or a call or a situation or something that you were involved with that you're just like, man, like, thank you, Jesus, that I'm here because this is what I was, I was put here for. And this, this situation reaffirmed it for me. Uh, um, I, I throw out the, the, like the, the ground balls for questions. <laughs> um, so I think, I think just as that, I think it really, really like, I always was into the fire department. From the minute I walked in the door, I said, man, this, this is where I belong. But I think what really, really drove it home was when I got the ability to start to mentor, where, you know, you, you take what you have learned, be it from other people uh, or personal experiences, and you share it with somebody who has none of that yet and, and just watch them grow and succeed in, in their career and, you know, do everything you can 
um, to, to help make them successful. Like, I, I think that was what really hooked me because, you know, like you, when you think of the fire department, we kind of touched on it a couple of times this evening, you know, going to fires and cutting people mm-hmm. out of cars, this and that, but you don't, you, I guess the aspect of the, the, the people aspect of it sometimes is overlooked, like the effect that you can have on others and not just people that you deal with on emergency calls, but internal people, the influence that you can have on them. I think it, it, it's, um, it's truly amazing, really. It is. I, I think mentorship too is, it's not, um, I'm trying to think how to say it. Like when, not when it works, but as you're doing it and you watch that development happen, it's like uh, teaching any skill really, like you, you start to see it click, but with mentorship, especially in the fire service, you'll turn around and stuff just starts getting done on the fire scene. And I know when I see it, like I'm just, I get so, so full of pride. I'm like, yeah, those are my people. And they're yeah, doing it. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't have to provide instruction. Like it's boom, done. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I, I remember I had a, had a young kid uh, and he was aspiring to be a wagon driver. And, you know, I tell him all kinds of things. I have a pretty good memory and everybody always gives me a hard time about that. But um, I remember tell, I told him one time the Frederick City Fire Hydrant thread on a steamer connection. It's an oddball thread. It's four and 5364. And yeah, I just throw it out there. Like what? Yeah, like it's just a number, right? And I and I overheard him telling somebody like the next shift, and I'm like, man, like that's cool, you know, because mm-hmm. he didn't know that before I told him, and now he's telling somebody else, and it's just, you know, it's a chain reaction, and, and to me, that's super, super cool. Are there uh, are, like on a more broader scale for the fire service? What are some things that are happening that you're excited about? Like, is there like a like a, whether it be on social media or just trending in the industry? Like, is there anything that's exciting you because I think we got so bound down with COVID that nobody has been like pumping up anything. Like, oh, and yeah. I, Total mood killer. Yeah. <laughs> Total mood killer. But, uh, oh, as far as, uh, you know, on a local level, we're, we're making all kinds of moves. So that's pretty exciting, but just, I, I think probably, you know, the, the common theme here of our conversation this evening, uh, social media, and just mm-hmm. seeing the amount of younger people who are, are just absolutely obsessed with the job. And, you know, there was a time when, and, and I experienced it a little bit, and there's, you know, there's still people of this type around, but it's kind of like, what are you doing, man? Like, we, we, we might go to a fire, you know, why you, why you put so much effort into learning that when you might have to do it, you may never have to do that skill. Whereas now you have younger people who are just absolutely obsessed with all aspects of the job. You know, they can't get enough of it. They're watching videos, they're listening to podcasts, they're going to classes here, classes there. And, you know, and then just seeing how then they, they, they just blossom to where, you know, now they went from being a student to now they're teaching. You know, I, I think um, I think that to me that's very exciting just to see how that goes. It is interest. It is an interesting conversation, right? Because, like, we all want to talk about. We all love the pictures of the old school, the nostalgia, and the senior man, and you know, mm-hmm. men were men, and this and that, right? But you know, other than the South Bronx and maybe Brooklyn. Uh, and, you know, the big cities, the, nobody was, you know, there were fires, but, you know, it wasn't crazy. And and my my point is, is that we all look back on those days and, and say, oh, look at this, this, this and this. But so much of that, too, were uh, the other aspect of the job where, you know, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't 
I don't know, life-wise, like, you know, it wasn't cool to be into the job in a way. Like, it was, you know, like, these guys were, you know, stellar firemen, but, you know, they were they were just that. And and I, I just, you know, now it's like, it's, it's a lifestyle. I don't think it was a lifestyle. I don't, I might be off the mark with that, but I almost think now it's more of a lifestyle where people are surrounded by it because of the influences that are available to them 24 hours a day. I mean, years ago, guys would go to work and they would get off shift and they'd go home and they were done with the job. They turned the job off. Like they didn't, you know, they didn't pursue the job. They weren't getting, you know, and I'm talking years and years ago, right? I mean, yeah, there might've been some magazines that they would read every once in a while, but when guys would go home from the job, they'd go home from the job and then they'd come. I, go ahead, Rob. No, I, I, so I think what social media has helped us with is that it, it's told us it's okay to be into the job and then it's given us good examples to be into the job. But like going back to, cause I, I'm, when, I, when you were talking about that, I'm thinking, no, Jeremy, I think that's wrong. And I think about Jack, uh, uh, Duan t- telling us about like, Hey, um, PVD's got a, got a second alarm going and like they would he, you know jack would have to make the phone calls and they would come to a to his house and they would go in a basement and listen to the scanner and like yeah. you know crack open a six-pack uh, you know everybody would show, show up with a couple sixers and they'd be listening to the fires that you know a lows going out and they're catching work so i think i think there were people who left but they were into the job it's just we didn't know how to talk about that because that wasn't in firehouse magazine it wasn't like hey do you guys listen to a scanner at home <laughs> and call your friends up and get drunk listening to this like but like you know oh yeah i, I, so I think i think it was there it's just like now we have such a we such, we have such a um a mobile platform to talk about it and put out the good examples you know with the good there comes the bad but the i still think to this day and we say it all the time the good crushes the bad every day of the week like there's you know yeah it has yeah. to yeah go ahead frank yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, like, just like you're saying, the good versus the bad, it, like, like everything, you're going to have a couple knuckleheads that want to try and keep you down. And, you know, if any, any, any Instagram post that's hot, if you, if you take the time, which I am slowly getting away from investing any time and reading the comments, um, you know, there's always, always somebody in there that's got to, got to chime in their two cents. And like, you know, sometimes it's constructive, but, you know, sometimes it's just, you can tell, man. It's just like they, they, they have nothing better to do than try and bring people down. And uh, that's unfortunate. And I, I think it says a lot about an individual if, if that's how you conduct yourself. A hundred, a hundred percent. And you know, it's uh, you know, it's kind of like the firehouse, like your opinion doesn't matter until it matters. So, you know, if uh, you know, if you're, if you're willing to put out content and try to better this job by putting out information that, you know, people can get value out of. And then there's one or two people that have to point out something, um, you know, chances are those guys, they're not liked in their firehouse anyway. I mean, those are the guys that are bringing problems, you know, every day for Most everyone, like- you know? So, but you know, it's nice that you want to share your opinion about the guy's coat, not being buckled or the guy's not wearing gloves, but frankly, nobody gives a shit about what your opinion is. So just keep it to yourself, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the two, the one, the two that I always get like running the long lines. Oh my God. What are you, what are you pumping at? Right. Far closer. Like, well, gee, why didn't I think of that? You can't get closer, <laughs> you know? Like not everything is 10 feet off the sidewalk. So, uh, you know, or they're running on the fire ground and I can see both sides of the coin. We train with hustle. We're proficient at hustling. We hustle. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. I, listen, I don't <laughs> care. I don't, that's the thing. It's like, whatever your opinion we is, hustle. that's great. 
congratulations for having an opinion. I have my opinions too. Trust me. I'm a very, Rob will tell you, I'm a very opinionated person, but the last thing I'm going to do is spend a minute of my day letting somebody know what my opinion is when in fact, my opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, if you want to run on the fire ground, run. If you want to walk, walk. If you want to, you know, walk around and and put your air pack on from the compartment and not from the cab. Like, I don't care. I don't care. You know, and I don't know why people feel that the platform allows them to uh, share their feelings, because frankly, nobody cares what your feeling is. And, and so, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, it's just, it's a wild ride, but Frank, as you put out more and more content, I mean, you're, you're learning that. And so, and I've been, we've been dealing with it for, you know, since the inception of what we do for sure. And, uh, and so on, but you know, it's that, that might be a little bit of the downside, but that's really the minority, you know? Um, And what I tell everybody when we talk about social, because we're so heavily involved in it, is that, you know, you can't let stuff like that discourage the the good message because there's always going to be mutts and there's always going to be guys looking to tear you down. And there's always, you know, our, our worst enemy are our own people, you know? And yeah. so- I remember I was talking to Nick Martin about it. He's like, you can't read the comments, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I don't even invest too much time in it anymore. And like the worst thing you could ever do is get involved in any kind of social media battle. Nobody ever wins in a social yeah. media a hundred percent on that. And I, I do, I do want to say this though. Um, the comments are important and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, that's where you build community um, because you're going to find people that say, Oh, that's a great idea. Or they tag their friends in it and so on. It's because, and, and what you're doing is laying a foundation of um, ideas and thought provoking conversation. And when you can provoke conversation, you're doing uh, you're doing a service for the fire business. And so, you know, so it's important. And so feel, you know, always try to engage those comments that are positive because you build a community and you could bring such value. You could have a kid in Kentucky that saw you run the 300 line and, and you blew his mind. And if, if you engaged him by a comment or a conversation, it's funny how many times people think that we're not real people. Like people will reach out and I'm like, Hey man, no problem. Here's my phone number. Call me anytime. They're like, what, what, like what? I'm like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me clarify. I don't know. Disregard. uh, But the negative ones is read it, chuckle, move on to the next. But yeah, I get people all the time. That same scenario, kid in Kentucky. This was a kid in Mississippi, but the same thing, a cross lay, which I thought was a standard line. Uh, You know, but I guess it's one of those things we take for granted around here. That's what we run. And he's like, how do you pack that or whatever? So, you know, the next shift, man, I made a little video and sent it to him. And um, yeah, you, you, I think it, it means a lot to people. 100%. What, what you did by taking a few minutes of your day to do something that's routine for you could be earth shaking for somebody else. And, you know, you could even, you know, you take that conversation one step further. That kid could be in a very rural firehouse and they go to 20, 20 fires a year, brush fires, and they do a chicken roast every year to buy a truck. Like, you know, they, they could be the heart and soul of the United States, you know, the American fire service, just by living in this rural town. And for you to engage them, uh, you know, you could, you could potentially shape that kid's want desire to become a career fireman to better his fire department you know, the fact that he took time to say like, hey, chief, I, this is really cool. And then you took the time to give him back some information to expand on that. I mean, what you've done is you've created 
just the uh, the potential for so much success for that kid. You set him up for success. You set up their department for success and their community. And so like, you don't realize the power of social media and the dividends that you could pay out just by doing something very simple like that. So kudos to you, man. That is awesome. That is where the value matters. And, um, and that's just, again, a testament to who you are and, 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 uh, and uh, you know, your love for the service, man. That's, that's fucking cool. Just pay it forward. I had, I had people that did that for me and then, you know, a little bit before social media times, but if I had a question, yeah, come out here, I'll show you, you know, just take take a couple minutes to show somebody something. And then that somebody shows somebody and then you know where it goes from there. I love that. That's cool. Rob thoughts. I'm done. You're done, huh? <laughs> Rob's tired. He's long day driving fire Academy, the whole nine yards. But I have to say, we've been going for a little bit now, Frank. And I, I just want to say um, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll have you back and, and we got some projects coming up where we're going to be looking for guys from the podcast to hop back in and to do some, uh, some stuff that uh, we have brewing. And, uh, I just want to say, thank you. Thank you for sharing some of your story tonight with us and taking time out. Uh, I know, you know, knowing how valuable family time is for you to take time away from your family tonight to talk with us means the world. Um, oh, well, thank I, you for having me and yeah, and they're just as excited that I got to do this as I am. So I was <laughs> well, on the FaceTiming with them right before this. I was like, yeah, we are a little bit nervous. And like, they're all excited about it. So that's pretty very, cool. very cool. Um, no need to be nervous about this. Uh, this, no, is, this, this is totally uh, chill, man. This was awesome. This <laughs> well, it's cool. And, and I appreciate you being very candid and talking about the job and, and telling us about um, your past and, and so on. And so I wish you nothing but tremendous success moving forward. Um, you know, I think uh, being in that uh, training position right now, um, is laying the foundation for you to really expand and grow and, and build that culture in your fire department. And you'll get back out on that line. But right now, man, get out there with those recruits and crush it like you are, because I think um, you're doing great things there. And please keep sharing on social media um, because you really are putting out some great nuggets. And we're it's, it's so exciting to see the community that's being built um, right now on guys that are willing to take time out of their day to share lessons learned and thoughts and ideas and, and provoke thought because we need that and we need more of it. So uh, kudos to you. Um, you. Italian chief, Frank Malta. Thank you, brother. Thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for having me guys. Awesome. Rob, you got any last words, man? I know you're tired, but uh, at least uh, I don't know, say something to the people that listen, your fans. (laughs) No, I'm just happy that Frank was here because he's uh, really like, like I said, it's um, it's good to have a positive a positive person out there who's pushing training in the right way and, and, and talking about the mentorship stuff, talking about the things that aren't in the book, because that's what we don't focus on. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't write it down, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's good to see somebody that's out there that's uh, making sure they spread that word because that's where those are some of the biggest missing puzzles that we have or pieces to the puzzle, I should say. And that is why we come to you to close out this episode. You are well-spoken, my man. Nailed good, it. good points made. And uh, thank you, Battalion Chief Frank Malta out of Frederick County, Maryland. Thank you, brother, for being here. You can find him on Instagram at Firefight N Chief. So it's F I R E F I G H T, the letter N Chief. Firefight N Chief. Like him, follow him. He's putting out some great nuggets, some great training and thought provoking uh, training tidbits and so on. So, Chief, thanks again for being here. 
and um, appreciate it. And to everybody that tuned in and listening to this episode, thank you. We appreciate the support. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.